God's peace and welcome to our podcast. This is episode seven. Today we're continuing our study in the small catechism and we'll be talking about the Lord's Prayer. And we have a very special guest today. Actually, not very special. It's just me. Today we're doing something a little different. This is just going to be me and Jamin. And Jamin will actually be interviewing me and we'll be talking about the Lord's Prayer. So without further ado, I will welcome Jamin and hand things off to him. I trust you're doing well, Jamin. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing well, Nick, uh, and uh, thanks for having me on again. And uh, I'm looking forward to uh, taking the reins here and, uh, you know, maybe we'll take it in a completely different direction. <laughs> totally, you know, totally my own uh, my own direction. No, I, we're going to we're going to keep things pretty. I feel like I'm heavy, regretting yeah, this decision already. <laughs> <laughs> the, the power is going straight to my head uh yeah no the, the things have been good uh, it's been it's been hot around here got more i think it was it was definitely like a record record-breaking heat here over 113 114 in the pacific northwest is not normal for june but yeah we're here uh nick you you uh just got back from the convention not long ago right yeah, yeah, you know, the, the traveling was brutal, you know, trekking all the way up to Spruce Grove. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It was a 35-minute drive from my house to convention, so to say I, I got back, um, I was home the whole time. But um, those yeah. are kind of the best, the ones that are near you. Um, uh, this convention was a little more lightly attended, um, but I kind of, um, mm -hmm. I feel like this was one of the most enjoyable conventions in my um, recent, I, I really enjoyed it. There was something cool about, you know, there, it's not like it was like 50 people there. There was probably like, I don't know, four to, or I can't remember the exact numbers, but I, I want to say it was probably around five, 600 people at its peak. Okay. Um, but, um, that might be generous. Somebody listening might, might have some corrections for us and that's fine. We welcome it. Um, but, um, <laughs> there was something kind of cool about, um, you know, being able to interact with different people and not feel like you're just overwhelmed. Like, I don't know about other people, but, mm -hmm. um, you know, when I'm at a convention, you know, you want to visit with people and it, you almost feel like you're on the clock. Like, okay, I can visit with this person, but then I can't visit with that person. And it's not like you're like ranking people, but there's just so many people that you want to see. And so it was kind of mm -hmm. neat to have that sm a little bit smaller where, um, you know, you, you, you have, uh, um, you have time to kind of visit with people and talk to them. And it, it, I, I really enjoyed it. The speaking was very good too. It was very nice. Um, it was a little disappointing that um, I think there was a little bit of an issue with um, seated delegates at the convention. So there was hmm. something like 18 churches that didn't send delegates to the annual meeting, which is like, his, Oh wow. Like that's like almost a third. The, that might be more than a third of the Federation just didn't show up. So that was kind of weird. Yeah. I think it's with the pandemic, you can't really blame them. Um, but uh, it, may, it made things a little bit interesting because there was a proposal that um, a member of my church had put forward and our vote board had approved. And we um, we had to withdraw it because it would have just died on the floor because it was a bylaw change and you need two thirds vote. And I there see. wasn't, and it's not two thirds of the seated delegates, but two thirds of the total. And total so since, since there were 18 churches that didn't have delegates it was like well it's impossible for this to pass and yeah. i thought that was kind of funny because um every other thing that i've 
heard of doesn't have like the fact that you would require everyone to be present is kind of interesting. Like I guess I guess yeah. maybe I see the need for that in the olden days where you know if there was a famine people couldn't come, you know, or traveling right. was harder. But now there's not really a whole lot of reasons why people should not be there other than, you know, national pandemic. So I guess it worked because yeah. we 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 wouldn't want to pass anything without the support of everybody. But, yeah, uh, it's kind of interesting how our church works. And I don't know, there may be a lot of our audience are apostolic Lutherans, but there may be younger ones who maybe don't understand how this works or aren't super familiar with it. So our annual church convention happens in the summer each year and we get together and there are services. Uh, so we actually have uh, speakers on each day. It's usually, isn't it usually like Thursday to Sunday? Isn't that right? It's usually um, starts on Wednesday night with a service at the hosting congregation, which Wednesday is usually night. a little right. bit smaller. And then it goes on to, um, and then it goes on to uh, Thursday at the event center, wherever it's going to be. And there's yeah three, three services a day with two speakers. Yep. And <clears throat> And back in the day, it was very well attended. You know, I remember going to, as a kid, going to conventions that had 1,500 people, you know, and our, our entire federation is probably only four or 5,000 in the U.S. So that's in that range, something like that. Uh, maybe if you count you know, younger kids, it might be more than that. But, uh, but yeah, the, then there, but the, that's not, it's just not, it's not just a, like a services, it's also there. There are also meetings, and so there's pastor meetings. There are, you know, foreign mission meetings. There are other other types of meetings <clears throat> that happen during the convention. And what you're talking about is the annual, uh, the actual annual meeting. Yep. And that then uh, each congregation sends a delegate. And our church is somewhat unique, I think, where we have kind of a democracy republic style you know, representative democracy, each church doesn't matter how big or how small gets one vote and they send a representative and then they can of course run the meeting and, and propose changes and whatnot. And uh, yeah, so it's, it's kind of an interesting process, the whole thing. And I know that um, we often do struggle to get participation as a church in, you know, in various things like this. So, People listening, if they're interested in the process, should you know talk about it and maybe volunteer to come to the next convention to be a delegate for their church. And all of these things, you're not just going there and like making decisions for your church. A lot of it, you're going with uh, your church's recommendations. Or and usually, you're instructed on how you should vote. Exactly. It's not quite like um, it's not quite like the how the Congress works, where you're like right. a representative and you get to make your own decisions. I think you do have some freedom if there's um, if there's like a runoff and and different, and, you know, if the, like you vote on your original instructions and if something changes, like let's say you vote for you're told to vote for three guys and then um, you vote for those three guys and there's a runoff and it's neither of those mm -hmm. three guys that you voted for, then you'd get to decide um, who to yeah, vote for. Yeah. And, that, and, and I think you are technically allowed to. Um, be that representative and have a voice on behalf of your congregation and it doesn't have to, it, mm -hmm. it's basically it's yeah. your voice because you can't know exactly what everyone's opinion right. is going to be um, but it's i I've, right, i was right. the delegate for our congregation for a few years i wasn't this year and um it was it was it was good it's it's mm -hmm. a good experience um especially if you're a little younger it's kind of it's kind of cool i i really enjoyed it 
Um, we actually got a new chairman this year. Um, the chairman of our federation was Gary Bertram, um, but now it is mm -hmm. Dave Millimacki. And um, oh, okay. yeah, there was actually this really cool point at the end of the convention. Um, uh, by the Sunday evening, so there's you know services at ten, services at two, and services at seven. I don't know why they did ten, two, and seven this year. That was a little bit strange because you had like mm -hmm. three hours of limbo time after, usually a couple mm -hmm. hours after supper before the next service started. Um, yeah. But um, anyway, um, so by Sunday evening there were two speakers. There was probably two hundred people in the sanctuary. Um, a lot of people had already started going home and stuff like that, and um. There were two speakers, and then Dave Milimacki got up and gave some closing thoughts, and um, he said um, he said that uh, he wanted to close um, reading the twenty third Psalm together, and um, okay, and then he um, but um, it was kind of funny because I was like, did he mean together or did he mean you know <laughs> together? Like, and um, it was yeah. funny because um, uh, he said we'll read it together, and he gave no time for anybody to turn to it. <laughs> but the fact that it was yeah. the 23rd Psalm, sure. everybody yeah. knows it. And yeah. so I just started saying it with him and everybody yeah. was saying it with him. And it was this really, really cool moment of just citing the, reciting the 23rd Psalm together as a, as a church, as a body of believers. And it almost felt in a sense like, like, you know how sometimes when you're singing and the singing is very meaningful and, you know, everybody's together and you can almost feel the love. It was kind of like that, but almost like a deeper sense. You know, there's something about standing or, or sitting in church with a body of believers and all coming together saying, the Lord is my shepherd. Yeah. You know, it was really cool. And um, I asked, I told Dave afterward, I said, man, Dave, I, I really enjoyed that. That was neat. And he's like, yeah, well, when I said read it together, I meant I'll read it and you guys follow along. <laughs> and he said, but but um, he's like, that worked and it was better than I imagined. Or, that is amazing. Uh, and I might have been paraphrasing him a little bit, but that was yeah. my understanding was that his intent was just to read it. He wasn't trying to start something <laughs> new or um, but I love we it. just kind of we just kind of followed along. It was it was really cool. I wonder I wonder if Dave is the first ever central board chairman who's not a pastor. Yeah, I don't know. Um, it was Wilfred Sikola for so many years, and yeah. I can't remember exactly who it was before him, but I know even George Wilson from New York any... Mills was a chairman yeah. for a long time, um, he and he a was a pastor. So I, I can't I remember like any. I, I, can't, I can't either. Uh, now, obviously, this goes back a long time, but this could be. I used to work for Dave uh, many, many years ago, 20 years ago. And he's a great guy. He's fantastic. He was always very supportive of my dad during his time uh, pastoring, uh, you know, Hawkinson. And it was like, uh, yeah, it was it was fantastic. It was like a, a working with him. He's he's a great guy. I I really appreciate him. And so um, yeah, I'm glad to glad to see him do that. And uh, Gary Gary was before him. You said yeah, Gary was before him. Gary Bertram. Yep. Yeah. And Gary, of course, we've had him on the podcast. He's a great, great guy as well. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Um, we need to get both of them on this podcast, actually. That would be really cool to have an Wait, episode. Did, was Gary not on the podcast? Sorry. I don't think Gary has been. We've had Chuck as a member of the Central Board. We had board, Chuck, that's right. And yeah, we had Ron, um, who is mm -hmm. no longer a member of the Central Board. Yeah, yeah. Um, but as far as I know, yeah, that's that's all it's been is um, Chuck and Ron. So it would be nice yeah. to get... It'd nice, be nice to get Gary, and it'd be nice we to should. get Dave on here. So we might have to yeah. send them this episode. So you listeners can do us a favor. Um, if you happen to see Dave Millimacki, 
Um, yes. Just mention offhandedly that, uh, you know, you hear he's going to be on our podcast soon. And uh, yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> and the same for you folks in New Hampshire. If you see Gary, just yeah. let him know that, you know, that's let really know. neat. That's really neat that you're going to be on uh, Nick and Jamin's <laughs> podcast, the, the, the Eastern Mission sponsored show, God's Peace. Yeah. So that, that, that can be your homework, listeners. All right. So I'm going to take us toward our topic here and and talk with pastor nick about it and of course uh here's our discussion topic for today nick do you think pastors are paid enough <laughs> um they they, they... Uh, <laughs> before you answer that <laughs> that is not the uh, topic for today i can and only speak for just... myself and yes <laughs> but we no we're well taken care of here i uh I, I don't I don't actually want you to to answer that. Uh, I have my own opinions about that, and I my my answer is a firm no. But uh, they are not paid enough. But we're not going to be talking about that today. I'm not going to put Nick in that difficult position. Uh, we have a different topic. Uh, that was a joke. Our topic for today actually is the Lord's Prayer, and so this is this is kind of an interesting one, and I'm really looking forward to it. It's also not just about the Lord's Prayer, but prayer in general. And there are two places that the Lord's Prayer comes up in Scripture. The most famous is Matthew 6, uh, 9 through 15. There's also, I think it's in Luke 11. Uh, there's another accounting for it. And uh, there's a Lutheran pastor, Pastor Harold Bowles, who mentioned that or he he referred to the Lord Lord's Prayer and said that it was actually probably spoken twice, uh, once in Galilee and that was the the Matthew one, and then it was also spoken a second time in Judea for Luke. And so the two uh, the two gospel writers probably encountered the Lord's Prayer more than once. A lot of those things that some people might, the little of those differences, just because it's recorded once doesn't mean that Jesus didn't say it multiple times. Yes. Um, I, I would actually argue that he probably said it, he probably taught them this more than twice even. Um, yeah. The Lord's Prayer is incredibly significant to the church and to the apostles. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's obviously something you learn very, very early on when you're a young Christian, when you're a child, and uh, you continue to learn it. I have kind of a um, funny story about learning it as a child. Um, uh, you know how when you like, like when you learn the Lord's Prayer as a child, at least for me, I learned it when I was, I can't even remember, but I was like five. And you get to the point where you're not even really like, say, like knowing the words that you're saying. Mm -hmm. And for the, and what's funny is some of those little things stick with you. And so growing up until I was probably like embarrassingly old, like, um, early teens, I was saying our father who aren't in heaven. <laughs> um, just because like, <laughs> that's how I'd learned it. Our father who aren't in heaven. <laughs> Cause I didn't well, know what art, art meant. Yeah, I, art is kind of, well, yeah, art was a... something that six year old Nick couldn't process. <laughs> so and you're so, like, well, they must've meant aren't. <laughs> yeah. Like he's not in heaven. He's with us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I get the logic. I get the logic. It's, yeah, it's, it's funny how that, that all, a uh, lot, lot of incidences like that as a kid. You, you just mishear things and you just kind of go with it. Uh, so I'm going to ask you, Pastor Nick, to go ahead and read that passage if that's okay. Yeah. Um, so that's um, Matthew 
the 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 Lord's Prayer out of Matthew. Matthew six or yeah, Matthew six uh, verses nine through fifteen is kind of the the meat of it. We'll talk we'll talk about some of the surrounding verses too, but start with that. Reading in Jesus' name. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. So, who was, I want to like set the scene a little bit first before we dive into each of the verses. And who was Matthew writing to? Like, who would have been his audience here? Or, or actually, I should, I should, uh, I should back up. It's more like who was Jesus talking to? Who was Jesus talking to here? Yeah, so this is this is part of the Sermon on the Mount, mm-hmm. and so Jesus um, has been with a big crowd, and he withdraws because it says, "And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a high into a mountain, and when he sat, his disciples came unto him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying." So this is um, this is this is him teaching his disciples. So that's in Matthew five, yeah. what I just quoted there. Um, so Jesus is talking to mm-hmm. his disciples, and um, this is what's often referred to as the Sermon on the yeah. Mount. And um, the context of the, him telling them to pray is he's, um, he's kind of um, unraveling a lot of their, the old way of mm-hmm. doing things. And so he, um, like he says, um, you know, uh, like in the Sermon on the Mount, he says it over and over again. You've heard it said by men of old time not to do this, but I say unto you, do this um and um and so he's kind of um showing them like the the error in um some of the things that they were doing and so in the sixth chapter he starts to talk about um how uh they're in their day and honestly in our day too um there's um a drive that is you know that i think it's just part of our sinful human nature to do things um which are seen by other people so he begins this this chapter begins with him saying, take, take heed that ye do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, you have no reward of your father, which is in heaven. Therefore, when you give alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily, I say unto you, they have their reward. And he says the same thing about prayer. He says, when you pray, um, don't be like a hypocrite, for the, they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. And then he says, but thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy father, which is in secret. And thy father, which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. But when ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathens do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your father knoweth what things ye have need of before you ask him. So he gives this good teaching on prayer. And then he says, um, after this manner, therefore pray. So basically he's saying, um, uh, now don't be like the heathens. Don't, don't do vain repetition. And some people say that like the Lord's prayer is vain repetition, but accordingly, that's not what he's saying. He's saying, don't think that you can impress God with your much speaking. And, and by, um, anyway, so he says, but this is how you should pray. Um, and another, and, and another translation or another place, it basically says, um, when you pray, 
say. And um, then he goes into the Lord's Prayer. So <laughs> it was a bit of a smackdown. And I don't know if it was necessarily aimed directly at the the disciples uh, or if he was kind of saying that they should then teach other people this. But he was he, he doesn't pull any punches. He's very much like, don't be like the hypocrites. Don't be like the heathens. These are a lot of things that they're doing wrong. Don't do this. Don't do that. You know, he, he kind of like comes in and is like, there are a lot of things, a lot of issues with what you're trying to do or with what's happening here. Let's let's knock all these things off. But then he doesn't just leave them with that. He actually then teaches them the proper way. Like, okay, you did all these things wrong. I'm going to teach you how to do it right. I'm going to teach you in my perfect way how to do this right. Uh, so you can you can see yeah. that he doesn't like want people to have the appearance of, you know, being devout or 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 fasting. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that um, as as the word of God is living and active, sh sharper than any two edged sword, the word of God incarnate, Jesus Christ is just the same way. Um, so I think this is obviously something that the disciples were having issues with. Um, you know, put them, put yourself in their shoes. They're these, um, they're fishermen, and they're, um, uh, you know, Matthew's a tax collector. Um, they're not these high society religious folks, and so this when, and so it's it's kind of interesting. This is something I've been thinking about lately. Um, they're they're torn out of their normal everyday lives, and now they're following the Son of God. And he's teaching them spiritual religious things. And so they, they're, they're, I just imagine them wrestling with this idea of what it is to be a, um, you know, a devout disciple, what it is to be a scholar or be like a Pharisee. And I imagine some of them are thinking, well, this is how you do it. You be like the Pharisees. And Jesus is saying, actually, no, mm -hmm. that's not how you do it. Um, God isn't interested in people seeing you. God isn't interested in you gaining respect for yourself or honor and using him as a tool for that. What God wants is for you to pray to him. And he's pleased when you do it in secret without having that temptation of other people hearing you. Yeah, and it's it's kind of a almost a larger theme about humility, not false or fake humility, but actual humility, not, you know, having basically having other things higher than yourselves and then yourself uh kind of anti-pride it, it is hard though especially for, with people for with some pride or ego to to like be humble in that way you kind of you're like oh yeah I'm, I'm doing these you know fasting i'm doing this 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 prayer i'm doing all these things and nobody's nobody's seen me do this you know and it i'm not getting any credit for it but that's not the point yeah, that's not the case because your father sees it. Exactly. And and, and that's kind of yeah, that's kind of the point. And 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 really um Jesus is disabusing us of this notion that God is like other people that we have to earn his respect or earn his favor because God has given to us it to us fully and freely. So um that's kind of the whole point. We don't have to impress God with our prayers. Mm -hmm. We don't have to impress him by saying things in the right way or um like obviously we should be reverent when we pray um but not because we um want him to we we think that you know by being more reverent he's going to give us what we want but because of who he is as being the god of the universe and he calls us to pray 
directly to him, which is just an incredible blessing. It is. And let's just go, let's start talking about this. Uh, let's talk about verse nine. So after this manner, therefore pray ye, our father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Let's talk about that particular verse. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? So um, he begins by saying, after this manner, pray. Um, so that tells us something right away. Um, this is Jesus telling us how to prayer and pray. And honestly, this is the prayer that he gives us. This is the only prayer. Um, so we would do very well to pray it and to teach our kids to pray it. Um, but I think it would be good also to learn from uh, the mistake that I made, that silly, that funny story, because um, I wonder if, um, you know, our kids learn this stuff at such a young age that they don't, um, it's almost like they're saying the sounds. Mm -hmm. And so we need as parents to do well to teach them the meanings of these things. And that's where the catechism uh, comes comes in handy so well. Um, these petitions are broken down um, uh, in, in such a way that it's, it's pretty easy to teach. Um, the problem is, is, you know, they, somebody needs to teach them. So that requires us as parents to take a more active role in, in learning these things so that we can teach them. So first he says, our father who art in heaven. And the catechism uh, answer um, that Luther gives is God would hereby tenderly invite us to believe that he is our father and that we are his children. So that we may ask of him with all cheerfulness and confidence as dear children ask of their father. Mm -hmm. um, and um, so that, that that's pretty self-explanatory. God calls us to prayer as the children of the heavenly father, as his children. He wants us to bring our requests to him. Mm -hmm. We don't need um, we don't need anybody to bring our re our prayers to God. We can do it ourselves. Um, so we don't have to go through intermediaries. Mm -hmm. um, we have Christ. Um, uh, what I'm saying is we don't have to pray to other. He, like like there's different theologies of prayer. So during Luther's time, and this is true in, in our day too, though it might not be exactly the same, but um, they basically looked at it like um, uh, that, like the saints were really good people. And so their prayers are heard by God better than ours. So if we pray to them, then they can bring them to God and um, they'll be more effective prayers. Um, but uh, we don't have to do it in that way. And then the first petition is, hallowed be thy name. And Luther says that this means that God's name is indeed holy in itself, but we pray in this petition that it may become holy among us also. And, um, and then he says, how is this done? When the word of God is taught in its truth and purity, and we as the children of God also lead holy lives in accordance with it, to this end, help us, dear Father in heaven. But he that teaches and lives otherwise than God's word teaches profane then God's word teaches, profanes the name of God among us. From this, preserve us, Heavenly Father. Um, so at this point, I'd like to point out that there's this really interesting connection um, between the Lord's Prayer and the Ten Commandments. So um, I got a question for you, Jamin. What's the first commandment? Uh, I am the Lord thy God. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Yes. And what are the first words of the Lord's Prayer? Uh, our Father, which art in heaven. Yeah, so it's kind of interesting, right? There's some, there's definitely like this, um, and and it it becomes more obvious. Um, the second commandment is, um, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. And the first petition is, 
hallowed be thy name. Pretty interesting, hey? It is very interesting. I've never really thought I've never really thought about the, the parallels between that, but that's very interesting. Yeah, and then the, the then the third commandment is um um honor the Sabbath day and keep it holy. And then um we pray thy kingdom come. And I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but um Luther says the kingdom of God comes indeed without our prayer or itself, but we pray in this petition that it may come unto us mm -hmm. also. Um, so the whole idea being um, that God's kingdom uh, comes, God's kingdom is where his word is proclaimed and where his sacraments are administered. Mm -hmm. And and so it's it's fascinating that um, there's this connection to the, the law mm -hmm. of God and the Lord's prayer in that we're almost, um, we are, we're praying that God would enable us to keep these mm -hmm. commandments. You know, our father who art in heaven, He's teaching us to believe that he is our only God. Hallowed be thy name. Help us not to take your name in vain, Lord. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Honor the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Um, it's it's very, very interesting. So we don't have to get too far ahead of ourselves there. But um, but yeah, it's, it's really fascinating when you kind of dig into that whole idea because there's almost this sense of um, that, that Jesus is teaching us um, to pray that God would help us with our sin, not just forgiving it, but but help us to lead lead godly lives. Yeah, I I have a few observations on this. First off, the fact that we're that it says our Father is unique among major religions, Abrahamic uh, uh, religions, because like Jews and Muslims do not refer to God as our Father. Uh, and so Christians do because of the relationship with Jesus Christ being the son of the father and, and we are then children of God through him. Uh, so that's kind of an interesting one. And it always kind of annoys me a little bit when, when I hear pastors praying to Jesus, which is a little odd because it's like, even though Jesus is God, Jesus taught us to pray to the father specifically he he specifically taught us to pray to the father now we're only allowed to do that through jesus christ of course like we can only do that through in the name of jesus we can't go straight to god without the name of jesus without jesus himself uh and that's why a lot of times you hear uh, in whose name we pray you know in jesus name we pray uh but yeah i i do find that very interesting and it's sort of it's setting it, I think this is actually a pretty important thing when you do public speaking, even uh, you have to kind of set the scene, like who is, who are we talking about? What is their position? What is the, what is the topic? What, you know, how do we like approach this? What is our, what is our premise that we're building this on? And he does this beautifully by saying, we're going to say our father, which art in heaven. And so, you know, like this, he's God, right? And hallowed be thy name we are approaching with this humility of you are holy we are not you know the, you, the your even your name is is holy uh and so from my perspective it, it's like this is a beautiful intro to this like we're gonna start there we're gonna that's where we're gonna start before we even get into like what we're asking for we're gonna acknowledge your holiness your 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 position your exalted position above us and also the fact that you're our father 
Yeah, no, that's that's absolutely right. Um, I think there is. Um, I I kind of have that same thing, and I wonder if uh, about like when people pray directly to Jesus. I myself, um, you know, when you read Luther, um, you do see some of that. Um, I didn't know that. Like there's um, and and this is a prayer that I pray quite often. I'll um, I'll I'll, I'll just read it for you. It's um, Luther's sacristy prayer. So it's the prayer that he would pray um before he spoke. Um, and uh, it goes like this. Um, oh, Lord God, dear Father in heaven, I am indeed unworthy of the office and ministry in which I am to make known your glory and to nurture and to serve this congregation. But since you have appointed me to be a pastor and teacher, and the people are in need of the teaching and the instruction, be my helper and let your holy angels attend me. Then if you are pleased to accomplish anything through me to your glory and not to mine or to the praise of men, grant me out of your pure, pure grace and mercy a right understanding of your word and that I may also diligently perform it. O Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, shepherd and bishop of our souls, send your Holy Spirit that he may work with me to will and to do through your divine strength according to your good pleasure. Amen. Um, so you see he prays to God and then he, pray, he prays to God the Father and then he prays to Jesus and he asks Jesus to send the Holy Spirit to help him and um, enable him to... Uh, to uh, proclaim the gospel. And um, uh, so um, I think it is, um, so it, it, sometimes um, it's a little bit, uh, it's not always appropriate, um, but um, I don't think it's necessarily wrong. Um, one thing that kind of um, annoys me a little bit is when people are um, praying um, in a group of people and on behalf of a group of people and they use um, singular um, pronouns so they talk about I and me. Um, when when you're praying on behalf of people, you should be praying um, us and we. You know, you should be you're 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 not just praying for yourself. It's not I who am asking this. It is we. You are praying on behalf of all of yeah. us. Um, and so, I, but that's just more a, a little quibble. Sure. So before we move on from verse nine, it is worth noting that "Hallowed be Thy name" is known you know, in, in the Lutheran catechism as being the first petition. And of course, petition meaning like a thing that is, we're asking of God. And so we're asking him to make sure that his name be hallowed. And so that's why it's called the first petition. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, that kind of gives us a good, um, a good uh, benchmark as to what we are doing. We are bringing our petitions before the heavenly father what is it to um petition someone yeah so this is when you would go to someone who has power over you whether it's a judge or something an arbitrator of some sort and or even like a king or a, a president or whatever and you would petition you would maybe like even sign a petition saying we we want you to do this thing yeah, exactly. It's like when we're gathering names for people to sign a mm -hmm. petition, we're bringing our requests before those in power. And that's what prayer is. He's got a petition process. <laughs> it's called prayer. <laughs> mm -hmm. But it's the we already got all the signatures that we need. We have Christ. So on verse 10, which is the second petition, it is thy kingdom come actually that's well the second petition is part of verse 10 uh thy kingdom come there's also thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven let's talk about uh, thy kingdom come 
Yeah, so um, thy kingdom come. This is something that, uh, you know, when we, we hear about the kingdom of God, Jesus mentions it all the time. And um, I think us in our modern audience, um, I don't know if we have the right idea of what the kingdom of God is. Um, and I think I don't think the Jews necessarily understood it quite either. Um, but um, what is the kingdom of God? Is it a place? No. Is it a um, is it is it somewhere we can visit? Is it guarded by knights? And you know, no. Um, what's interesting is um, another way to translate um, that word is to the word reign, the reign of God. God's reign would come onto this earth, um, and it's. Um, it's it's happening in Jesus Christ. So when Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is at hand, he's talking about the reign and rule of God. Mm-hmm. And so when we pray, um, when we pray thy kingdom come, we know that his kingdom does come. His reign does come indeed without our prayer. But what we're praying is that his reign would come among us, that his kingdom would come among us, that we would be under um, the rule of him mm-hmm. um, and members of his kingdom. And so it's probably just a slight difference, but it, I think it, it I think it is helpful to understand that we're not just talking about a place, um, but that we're talking about that, that which a king does. Yeah. Translations aren't always word for word. And... Yeah. And kingdom is fine. Like that's, that's the, like, we still use it right. um, in some sense in that way, but it's just, um, it, I, I think it's helpful to understand because as a kid, I always thought of it as a kingdom, right. you know, a place like, like the kingdom of Saxony, yeah. Saxony, a kingdom. I don't, I don't know. know, probably. Um, anyway. So like, like we're, we're, te- we're tempted to think that, or, or we think we, we, we get these pictures in our head and very often they're just not quite correct. And it's no fault of the translation or anything. It's just our own stuff getting in the way. Yeah. And it, it says uh, in the small catechism, that uh it comes god's kingdom comes how does god god's kingdom come god's kingdom comes when our heavenly father gives us his holy spirit so that by his grace we believe in his holy word and lead godly lives here in time and there in eternity and so it's it's obvious that this is not a place this is not a a physical thing this is god's this is the holy spirit and this is uh something that comes about by grace Uh, so i would agree with you that it's it's the rain uh, that, that we're talking about the rain sense of the word. yeah that which a king does we want that to come among us we want god's reign and rule in our lives and when that is there then yes we are members of his kingdom we are partakers of yeah. um citizenship that is not of this world um so it, it i mean it, there, there you, you can definitely see the associations yeah totally now, the second part of this verse is the third petition, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And uh, so what what does that mean? The good and gracious will of God is done indeed without our prayer, but we pray in this petition that may, it may be done among us also. How is this done when God breaks and hinders every evil counsel and will which would not let us hallow the name of God, nor let his kingdom come, such as the will of the devil, the world, and our flesh? but strengthens and keeps us steadfast in his word and in faith unto our end. This is his gracious and good will. So that means not only that we would do his will, but that his will would be done in our lives. Um, and I think a good example of this is um, Christ. This is nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. And this is, this is a good thing for us to understand when it comes to prayer. 
we usually approach it, and, and I'm speaking for myself and how I have dealt with prayer for a good part of my life. Um, we usually approach it as a way to get our will done. But Jesus is teaching us something counter to that, that it's not about getting what we want, um, but that we should be praying that God's will would be done. And there's a, there's this amazing part in um, uh, in uh, Philippians, and the, the exact chapter and verse is kind of evading me, but um, uh, Paul says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything, through prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And then, um, do, 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 are you familiar with that verse, Jamin? Yeah. And yeah. so what, what yeah. does he say next if we do those things? Does he say that we're going to get what we want? Uh, let's see here. So he says uh, in verse seven, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Yeah. So the, it's not necessarily that it's, everything's going to go our way, but it's that God's peace will be with us. I think that's important. There's a book called Pastoral Care Under the mm -hmm. Cross by a guy by the name of Iyer, and he was a hospital chaplain. And um, this his understanding of this really kind of changed the way I think about prayer. Mm -hmm. um, he talks about this guy who had terminal cancer and his daughter would come in and pray with him. And she would pray um, stuff like um, she was probably more of that name it and claim it variety. Mm -hmm. So she was like starting her prayers, thanking God for the healing that he was already doing in her dad mm -hmm. and how thanking him that he was going to be just fine. And every time her dad talked to her about it, you know, that was her attitude that God's already healing you. This is already done. And um, the past, the chaplain just observed that the man was very anxious, very anxious. And he said when he would pray with him, um, he would pray, you know, that God would help him and bring healing, but he would end every prayer with the words, Lord, give me the grace to submit to your will, even if it be my death. Mm. And he said that he observed that this man had true peace praying that. And so, you know, um, I've, I've had the um, honor of, um, you know, kind of being in that place where people are struggling, um, where they're facing their death. And, um, you know, that's kind of, that's kind of what I usually say to them is something akin to, um, or even every time somebody's in the hospital, it's, it's, it's a conversation that's like, look, I'm, I'm going to pray that God heals you. Um, and I wish for nothing more than that. Um, but I'm also going to pray for the day that you don't leave this room, the day that will come for all of us. Um, and, and on that day, we want to be at peace in knowing that we're in God's hands. Um, and, um, you know, because when we're praying for healing, um, I, I just, and I've talked to your brother Denton about this a little bit, um, uh, that there's, there's a lot of anxiety with whether or not God is mad at you or why this is happening to you. And if all we're doing is praying that God would heal people, um, then what happens when, um, what happens if it's not his will? What happens when they get sicker and sicker? It leads people down a path of despair and thinking that God is not there for them. What have they done wrong? Um, and so the, the conversation, I had this with a, a dear lady, a dear member of our congregation who passed away um, about a year ago. Um, and, um, you know, I, I said, look, I'm going to pray that God heals you. And I hope, dearly hope that he does. Um, but I'm also going to pray that God will give us the grace to submit to his will, that his peace would be with us, that you would be at peace with whatever happens. 
and and she agreed and it was this amazing thing as she kept declining um you know you could see that the peace of god was with her and um you know obviously she had cares and concerns for her children and for her family um but but above all she knew that she was in god's hands and um it was it was a really powerful experience for me to witness in her um so this whole thing about praying that god's will would be done is really the key to um understanding prayer um in my opinion i think that's very well said it's it's extremely i i i feel for people who have been sort of i i i feel like the the motives are usually good like hey uh we want you to feel better about this. We want you to have hope. We want you to, you know, like, and, and, and the people praying these things do truly believe that it's going to, it's going to happen, but it can be harmful. It can really be harmful when, you know, the, the child passes away or, you know, something bad that happens. Yeah. The situation deteriorates, deteriorates. And then it's like, well, what happened? God, did, why did you abandon me? But we have the answer. It's because we're we're not praying the right way. The the, and I I've actually really found a lot of comfort in this idea of like I'll pray for what I want or what I need. But uh, as we've talked in the past, Nick, it's it's like God's not a vending machine. You don't put in your money and then punch in the number and then you just you know it just drops down and you can grab it. Uh, that's not how it works. Uh, God has already given us a formula for how to pray. Now, it's not exacting. You don't have to always exactly pray exactly this way. It's not an exact thing, but he's given you an example to follow. And I think actually the third petition is one of the most important ones to even like pay attention to. If you miss everything else about this podcast, like pay attention to the third petition, in my opinion, because that is such a key. I've, I've prayed for things to happen and then I pray for myself. I'm not a pastor, so I'm not in a position like you where I'm like, you know, praying necessarily with someone all the time. But like for myself, I'll say, but in the end, give me, uh, align my will with yours. Like give yeah. me the, the, the direction that you want to go so that I can be at peace with that. Because you're his will is always good, even though sometimes it hurts. Sometimes it hurts, you know, life hits you in the face in whatever ways. But, but yeah. yeah, align yeah, it's, me with you. And, and that, that's really, um, and, and it's it's such a bigger blessing than we see it. And a trite example of this is um, uh, if you're older, think back to when you were a teenager and the things that you prayed for. Um, and now blow out a sigh of relief that you did not get them. <laughs> like like I, I i think of i think back to some of the things that i was desperately certain would be good for me and i look back and think man oh lord i am so thankful that you did not answer that prayer it, would, it, would it be against the rules here to mention a garth brooks song you could mention garth brooks but there's a song in our hymnal that actually says let me mention the song first and then you can tell me why it's, it's okay. not as good uh there's there is actually a song called unanswered prayers and he's basically yeah. uh thanking um, god for saying you know like like for not answering his prayers yeah he's looking at his wife and he's looking yeah yeah, yeah no i know yeah. that that song but in our in our hymnal there's a call, song called thank you father mm -hmm. and it goes through all these things that um yeah. you know the hymn writer is thanking god for and it says um and for please that thou denied me Thank you, Father. Now I see. Um, you know, the funny thing about that is um, uh, that wasn't a song that I really knew growing up. And I remember I was preaching um, 
a sermon on this text, and I actually mentioned the Garth Brooks song, <laughs> um, not really realizing it's, you know, just kind of going, you know, there's that song that says, I thank yeah. God for unanswered prayers. And yeah. it's like, and there's another song that um, I actually um, is more of a contemporary Christian music song. And I usually don't like those newer modern songs, but I heard um, a family sing this um, at uh, their father's funeral. And, um, mm -hmm. And it was, um, it was, it, it, it was, it was very powerful. Mm. Uh, and so I'd like, to, I'll, I'll read, I'll read this too, um, because it's, it's speaking to that theme. Um, and it's, um, it's called um, Blessings by Laura Story. And it goes like this. We pray for blessings. We pray for peace, comfort for family, protection while we sleep. We pray for healing, for prosperity. We pray for your mighty hand to ease our suffering. All the while you hear each spoken need, yet love is way too much to give us lesser things. Because what if your blessings come through raindrops? What if your healing comes through tears? What if a thousand sleepless nights are what it takes to know you're near? What if trials in this life are your mercies in disguise? We pray for wisdom, your voice to hear. We cry in anger when we cannot feel you near. We doubt your goodness, we doubt your love, as if every promise from your word is not enough. All the while you hear each desperate plea and long that we'd have faith to believe. When friends betray us, when darkness seems to win, we know that pain reminds this heart that this is not our home. What if my great, greatest disappointments or the aching of this life is the revealing of a greater thirst this world can't satisfy? What if trials of this life, the rains, the storms, the hardest nights are your mercies in disguise? Um, and so that's the song. There's a couple lines in there that I don't love. Um, you know, you can quibble with the theology of it, but that message is really, at its core, the theology of the cross. I um, I, I really that, like that, that song, by the way. I've always I've liked it for a long time, and yeah, I, it, I think it's because of that. Um, yeah, it's. I mean, you can get emotional thinking about it because it's so true. But the theology of the cross is this idea. It flies in the face of um, this this whole concept that. Um, you know, the world revolves around me, that it's all about my mm -hmm. goodness. You know, if we're doing good, then yeah. God is for us. If we're doing bad, then he's against us. Right. And right. basically, basically what, what the theology of the cross is all about um, is that, um, you know, that God works through the cross and that's mm -hmm. suff excruciating suffering. And that even, even when we're suffering, um, that it's actually not a bad thing. Yeah, obviously, there's a lot more to the theology of the cross, but that's part of it. This whole idea that um, yeah. that uh, that God actually does bless us in our suffering, and that's why praying for God's will to be done is so important, um, because our will is often flawed. You know, there's that there's that old um, song, "Count your blessings, name them one by one, and you will discover what the Lord has done." Um, and even that gets kind of tricky. Because there are things that have happened to me that I thought were amazing blessings from God. And later I turn around and look back and I'm like, yeah, actually, that was really bad. That did not turn out well. Mm -hmm. um, and the opposite, things that I thought were the most terrible things that I thought God was cursing me. I look back and I'm thankful for those experiences. And so we, um, it's the, the whole thing is submitting to God, understanding that he is the Lord and we are not. And... Um, and, and, and that's what saying thy will be done really is all about. It's about saying, Lord, I don't have to be in control. Mm -hmm. 
And it is hard because our sinful nature is all about that. You know, Adam and Eve fell into sin after they heard the words, you will be like God. And so each and every one of us wants to be like God. We want to be in control. And that's the that's the battle of the flesh. We can't be. We have to submit to God's will. Yeah, so I think that, like I said, the third petition is extremely important. It's something people should, should think about. But Jesus doesn't stop there. And he doesn't just say, well, pray for God's will. And that's it. You know, he yeah. does continue on. And so in verse 11, it says, give us this day our daily bread. It's the fourth petition. So he's actually talking about, he's talking about food, right? Isn't he talking yeah, about food? Yeah, he's talking about food. He's talking about the needs that we um, that we have for life, you know? Um, yeah. And Luther actually says that it covers the whole gamut. He says, um, uh, uh the the um so so this is this is what the catechism says god gives daily bread even without our prayer to even to all the wicked but we pray in this petition that he would lead us to know it and to receive our daily bread with thanksgiving and it says what is meant by daily bread everything that belongs to the support and wants of the body such as meat drink clothing shoes house home field cattle money goods a pious spouse pious children pious servants pious and faithful magistrates, good government, good weather, peace, health, discipline, honor, good friends, faithful neighbors, and the like. These are all good things to ask for. It's not like you can just, you, you just like, hey, God, you know, give me suffering because, you know, that's your will. He doesn't always, like, like th these are good things. These are things he's telling us we can ask for. Oh, yeah. And it's, um, it's, it's one of those things, though, where it's not like even these petitions in the Lord's Prayer are guarantees. You know, um, mm -hmm. for the most part, people people do get the things that they need for this life, and we believe that that comes from God. Mm -hmm. um, but we are we are living in a fallen world where things break down, where people get killed, where um, people go without food be, as a result of famine, um, uh, crops not growing, poverty. Um, those things are realities. Um, but here, God is telling us the things that we should be praying for, the things that we should be asking for. And um, and guiding us in our in, in our prayer life to um, bring these things before him. Notice he's it's not, not like they're guarantees. Yeah, it's not a guarantee. And notice he's also not saying, hey, God, also let me win the lottery or something. Yeah, stuff like exactly. That. It's not excess. It's daily. It's what you need mm -hmm. for your day. Yeah, he's not asking for a Ferrari or I guess he's not asking for a thoroughbred. You know, <laughs> exactly yeah for sure i mean i'm not going to turn it away if he gives it to me but but at the same time uh, it's probably not what you should be asking and then in verse 12 uh this one of course strikes at the heart of of you know what we really need for our soul and that is uh and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors uh and this is the fifth petition or forgive us our trespasses, we forgive those who trespass against us. Same thing. Uh, one thing that's interesting on this one is it's a it's a context. Or sorry, it's a contrast. It's a, it's contrasting lesser to greater argument. So as we would forgive our, you know, forgive people who trespass against us, that's a pretty important concept. That you know we can forgive people who have wronged us like you mentioned earlier about you know when you oh, yeah. got in a fight with one of your brothers or something you could forgive your brother and how much more so can our father in heaven then forgive us 
Yeah, so I would like to, to um, and this is something that is kind of confusing because a lot of people um, pray this and read this thinking that um, that it's like a, um, uh, like we get forgiveness from God because we forgive other people. Um, but it's not like a quid pro quo. <laughs> right. Um, it's not saying that um, that uh, it's, it's, it's that that's not what it's about. Um, like basically, it's talking about um, we're asking God that He would forgive us um, in the same way uh, that we forgive other people. So that's not like because we forgive pe- other people, but in the same way. So as we would forgive people who trespass against us or as we would forgive our debts. And that's an important word um, Mm -hmm. to understand. Um, And and trespass is fine. Mm -hmm. Um, But the idea being, how do you forgive a debt? When you forgive a debt, what are you doing? You're wiping it clean, right? Right. You're, you're wiping it away. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of the point that, that God would wipe away, that he would wipe the slate clean, that he would forgive the debt. So what about that parable about the unmerciful servant? There's that parable where it basically like the, the 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 guy that was owed the money forgave the unmerciful servant. And then this guy, the servant, went out and like had a much smaller debt owed to him and he held the other person accountable. So when the when the original guy heard about this, he's like, wait a minute here, you're not you're not being merciful when I was being merciful for a much bigger debt then I guess I'm going to call this due. And so in some ways that feels like a little different lesson that's being learned there. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, the whole idea um, in, in that parable, there's a man who owes the King a, um, an incredible debt. Like it's like 10,000 talents, 10,000 years wages. And it's more than anybody can pay. It's, it's a debt that is incredibly high. And he asks the king for mercy and says he's going to pay it. And the king has compassion on him and forgives him. Then he goes to um, somebody who owes him like one month's of wages, still a, a good amount of money, but nothing compared to what he was just forgiven. And he, um, he, so he go, he goes to that person and throws him in prison until the debt's paid. And now the other people, the other servants are looking at this and saying, Hey, uh, this isn't good. So they bring it to the King and the King sets things right and punishes that unmerciful servant. And so, um, it's like, it's really the perfect parallel to this petition. Um, but the, the the thing that I don't understand about that is that it is sort of saying that it's quid pro quo and we don't want that message coming across. Yeah. So it, well, and, and that's what's hard about it is um, that the, 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 the struggle with it is that there is this, this nature, this, this, that, that, that God's forgiveness, it's not something that happens in our life without actually affecting us. Mm-hmm. Um, so as we receive the forgiveness of God, um, it, does, it does flow out of it. Good works do come. And, um, and so you, you think about it. And, and, I, I, and I think perhaps part of it is it puts it into perspective. So um, even if you have had the absolute worst of crimes done to you, mm-hmm. um, it pales in comparison to the amount of sin that you have in regards yeah. to you and God. Yeah. And that's kind of the whole point of the parable is why would you not forgive your neighbor? This relatively speaking, in terms of what God has forgiven you, is 
very small debt, even if it's something that is incredibly harmful to you. And I think if we if we do find ourselves unwilling to forgive, um, then we we are in a place where perhaps we have hardened our hearts to the forgiveness of God, mm-hmm. and we would need to repent and forgive. So then this parable is a warning to Christians. It's not teaching a quid pro quo. You notice that the unmerciful servant is forgiven first, and then he refuses to forgive. Yeah. As Christians, we're called to forgive as we have been forgiven. Let me, let me ask you something then, Nick. So uh, I just had a, actually yesterday, a former client reached out to me and said, hey, I'd like to have some more work done on my app. You know, uh, And <laughs> this is a guy that n- did not pay something on the order of like $90,000 to us. You know, this is a, oh, wow. it's a fair amount of money. Yeah. Uh, and so, and this is a guy that repeatedly told me, you know, he would, and then just kind of disappeared. Now he comes back, doesn't mention that and wants more, more work done. So mm-hmm. I just said, Hey, you know, it looks like we still have to settle up this account. Uh, you know, you're still about 90 K behind, uh, you know, if you're, if you're willing to, to get caught up on that, then yeah, we can talk about, about doing that in the future. Of course, I'd want to get paid in advance. <laughs> and right. uh, and he kind of squirmed around it like uh, he didn't want to do that. So this is kind of an interesting one because like, am I am I duty bound by this to uh, to forgive him his $90,000? It is it is an interesting question. Because when you're when you're running a business, um, you're not just you're, you're it's not just that you're thinking about um, yourself. You know, you have to think about your employees, you have to think about your livelihood, you have to think about all of those things. And so there are, what I would say is, um, you need to forgive him for sinning against you by not paying you. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean you have to open the door for him to take advantage of you again. And that's kind of the point. Like, (laughs) forgiveness isn't about, about, like, forgive and forget. Like, sure, in some cases, it's good. Um, But... um, it doesn't mean when you forgive someone, it doesn't mean that you have to let them back into your life. It doesn't mean that you have to trust them again. Mm-hmm. It doesn't even mean that you have to um, think well of them. Mm-hmm. All it means is that you release them uh, from their obligation mm-hmm. um, that they incurred while sinning against you. Mm-hmm. Now, the onus is still on them to make things right. Yeah. Like um, if um, like like if you like you forgive him, um, he should still pay you back. Like if you, like, if I were to, um, if I were to steal your chainsaw and then I come and ask you for forgiveness and, um, you say, yeah, sure. I forgive you. And then, um, the next day I'm, you know, you come over to my house and I'm cutting down trees with your chainsaw and you're like, oh, Hey, that's my chainsaw. Can I have it back? I'm like, no, you forgave me. <laughs> no, that's ludicrous. <laughs> you know, it, it could never that's happen. That like, yeah. That's not how it works. You you still have to um, make things right. Yeah. Um, but very often the case is that people won't be willing to make things right. Yeah. And that's where your heart comes into play, where you forgive them from the obligation. Yeah. And yeah, I like to of, look at it. Yeah. I like to look at it in terms of directly in that parable. Um, uh, mm-hmm. Now, so the 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 um, the unmerciful servant it said is cast uh, like he's cast into prison until he can pay it all. And um, I like to look at it like that, like the person that sinned against you, do you really want them um, to suffer in hell for all eternity because of what they did to you? Yeah, of course not. No, even our worst enemy, we wouldn't wish that upon anybody. 
And so forgiving them is basically, um, it's basically saying, I don't want that to happen to you. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't mean you have to, um, uh, let them back into your life and trust them. It simply means that you're releasing them from that sinful obligation or the debt that their sin incurred. It does not mean that you have to go and open, let open the door for them to take advantage of you again. We, we had a, we had in 2017, we had our house set on fire by two burglars. Oh yeah. And, and someone stole your chainsaw. Of, and someone did steal my chainsaw or try to, uh, they, they didn't get away with it, but, uh, but, like from my perspective a lot of it was about our own healing that we had to forgive them uh it really helped us heal as well and then the reality is that they're they're both you know drug addicts and i want them to be released from that because i don't feel that necessarily they would have ever done something like this without their you know with with it with that there but you know and and we we told we told the court to to tell them that that we forgave them and i you know it's it's a it's something that obviously disrupted our lives it was dangerous oh, for it, yeah you know for the firefighters it was like a lot of a lot of bad came from it but um i imagine a lot of trauma too and anxiety right. with the kids and stuff like oh, yeah. stuff, stuff that's going to change change their lives forever absolutely stuff we're still dealing with it now obviously if we had if someone had gotten hurt seriously or, or even killed, I'm it's, it's much easier to forgive someone burning your property when, you know, you've got insurance and nobody got hurt. So I, I can't necessarily say that it's, I've been tested in the fullest sense, but, but I, I get the idea though. And some people were telling me like, Oh, you probably want the book thrown at them, you know? And I'm right. like, not really. Like I want them to get help. Like that's the big thing, like get help. And mm-hmm. And, but at the same time, I'm not going to hire one of them as my gardener, you know, like that's probably, <laughs> you know, right, right. Yeah. Bridge too far there. <laughs> yeah. You're not, you're not going to hire them as a landscaper. <laughs> I mean, who knows? I mean, Maybe at least that one guy would know. know, would know the dangers yeah. of trying to start that thing. Didn't he like cut himself trying to, <laughs> that, that's trying to true. grab it or something? There was a case that made national news a, a year or two ago. Um, there was an off duty police officer. She was a woman. And um, she had worked a long day or something and she got off work and she had went up like one floor too high. And it just happened to be that she went into an apartment that she thought was hers, but it wasn't hers. And there was a dude, um, there was a guy sitting on the couch, I think, eating ice cream. And um, she thought he was an intruder in her home. And uh, maybe she mistook the, the ice cream, the bowl of ice cream for something else. And anyway, she shot him and killed him. And um, she went to court. She um, And um, that guy's brother... Um, in court, um, basically said, um, I forgive you. Wow. Um, there's nothing more that I want for you than for you to know Jesus and have all of your That's sins amazing. forgiven or, or something, incre- something like that. And it's like, um, yeah, it's so, so there is this otherworldly sense to the grace of God. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, if you, if someone has sinned against you, um, this, 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 this text, those words, they will come at you as law and convict you. Mm-hmm. And that's good. Um, because, um, ultimately we shouldn't desire anybody to spend eternity in hell. Yeah. And we, and, and because God has forgiven us so much, it's a relatively, um, and I say relative in terms of the amount of sin that God has forgiven us for, um, you know, yeah. anything that anybody else has done for us. Um, is, is kind of a drop in the bucket. And I realize that that's easy for me to say um, when I haven't had somebody molest my children um, 
or right. um, do horrific things, you know, murder my brother. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but but still, the grace of God is such that it's stronger than any one sin, and and when it does, and and, and we should not harden ourselves, harden our hearts to forgiveness. Um, and I think I think when people understand too that that means that that forgiving someone doesn't necessarily mean that you have to, you know, because a lot of times people take advantage of this. Yeah. You know, they ask for forgiveness and think then that that they're entitled to things to be exactly the same way that they were before, um, and that's just not simply the case. Forgiving someone Oops. is um, releasing them from that debt. Let's talk about uh, verse 13. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So this has the sixth petition, the seventh petition, and the conclusion. Let's talk about the sixth petition and lead us not into temptation. Um, so um, Luther says that this means that God indeed tempts no one, but we pray in this petition that God would guard and keep us so that the devil, the world, and our flesh may not deceive us nor seduce us into misbelief, despair, and other great shame and vice. And though we be assailed by them, that still we may finally overcome and gain the victory. And so what, what he's saying is, is that um, when we pray, lead us not into temptation, it's not like we're saying that um, if we don't pray this, God will bring us into temptation. But he's, he's saying that this means that um, we're praying that God would guard and keep us so that we may not be deceived, so that when um, that we wouldn't be seduced into misbelief, despair, or um, troubled. Um, but that he would guard and keep us from those temptations. Wouldn't it be more accurate to say it's like and lead us away from temptation? Exactly. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, lead us, lead us away from it. That's that's a good. I like that. Yeah, and I think that's that's a big thing. Like, yeah, it's not like God's going to lead us into temptation. That that God doesn't tempt anybody, as Luther says. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he he will keep us. And there's outside forces. Like, there's a lot internally happening. We all know that. But there's also a lot of outside forces that happen that are temptations. Um, I know for myself, when I'm on a diet, it's probably not a great idea to have like my worst, you know, like munchy foods just sitting on my desk as I work. Right. Yeah. <laughs> now that's a pretty small thing, but like it doesn't, it's not conducive to weight loss for me right. to be sitting here munching on, you know, trail mix on my, <laughs> on my, on my desk. Yeah. And so like, Yeah. Keeping me away from that is a good thing. One thing that's interesting is I um, I quit smoking in December, and um, I found a pack uh, like a pack with like ten cigarettes in it in my car um, a couple months later, and I or not even a couple months, maybe it was like three weeks later. And what I did was I just put them in the glove box, and um, I figured that uh, if I'm going to stay quit, I need to um, be able to um, be around that temptation. And so it's kind of interesting to um, have that pack of cigarettes in the car and know that I could smoke whenever I want to. Um, and um, being able to resist that temptation in some sense. I, so I kind of look at it, at least in that context, a little differently. That's an interesting way to approach it. Yeah. Where, where it's like, because right now, if I really want a cigarette, I can have one. Yeah. So when I'm around a cigarette and I feel like I'm wanting one, it's not going to be a new feeling for me. I see. Now it may bite me. I might have something happen and all of a sudden I might be smoking. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, nicotine's a powerfully addictive drug, but yeah. Yeah. Ask me yeah, next I, year I how that. I'm doing with that. <laughs> <laughs> you might be setting yourself up. Exactly. Yeah. I might, I might've, I might've smoked them and have, and be, and be back on the wagon. That's what this petition is. It's about, uh, you know, being 
being protected and, and guarded and, and keep kept from the devil, the world, and our own sinful nature uh, so that we can overcome these temptations and win the victory. Yes. Yes. So it's, it's about God protecting mm-hmm. us um, from the devil, the world, and our own sinful. Flesh. And then uh, in the same, the seventh petition, which is part of the same, it's like a, it's a, but deliver us from evil. So it's like, don't, you know, lead us away from temptation, but deliver, deliver us from evil. Like, like let's, uh, let's go yeah. the other way. Uh, so, Right, right. If we if we do, you know, like like yeah, protect us, guard us from not just temptation, but also from anyone who would harm us. Um, and uh, I I like I like the um, explanation in the Catechism for this as well. Um, we pray in this petition as in a summary that our Father in heaven would deliver us from all manner of evil of body and soul, property and honor, and at last, when our lot last hour shall come, grant us a blessed end. And graciously take us from this veil of tears to Himself into heaven. And um, I, I um, have prayed this prayer my whole life, and for as long as I can remember, I've prayed the Lord's prayer. And um, that last sentence is not something I ever really considered. But um, there is something. Yeah. Do you guys do you remember that um, shooting at the church in Texas, the Sutherland Springs? I think it was called. Yeah. yeah. Um, where the gunman came in and, and shot people. Um, well, there was a national outcry against prayer. You know, people were saying that their thoughts and prayers were with the victims. And um, people were saying, were saying stuff like, well, what do you mean thoughts and prayers? Those people were praying and they died. And um, there's one Lutheran pastor who I've actually recommended some of his videos. He runs the Lutheran satire mm-hmm. channel. He had something to say that was Hans quite Feeney. shocking, but I think it was, yeah, Hans Feeney. And, um, and basically... Um, he referenced the Lord's Prayer, and he said that um, you know every Christian church I've ever been to prays the Lord's Prayer. And um, he said, uh, you know, the people that are mocking—I'm I, paraphrasing. I don't remember exactly what he said, but um, it was something to the extent of, you know, you guys are mocking thoughts and prayers, but you don't know the mind of God, and um, you don't know that God has actually that 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 God has actually answered those prayers. Um, that those people were praying for God to deliver them from evil. And finally, he has. That now they are no longer part of this sinful um, world. That now they, that he has taken them to himself into heaven. Um, because that's ultimately what we're, we're, what we're praying for when we pray, deliver us from evil. We're praying, uh, praying, deliver us from sin. Deliver us from anyone who would harm us. And ultimately, bring us to you. Get us out of here. And that's a hard thing to have in perspective and a hard thing for us always to um, to battle um, with. But um, it's good for us to understand that one day God will deliver us from evil and bring us into a life um, in the world to come where there will be no evil. And that's incredible. Yeah, and that le- that leads right into the conclusion. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. That's the conclusion of this prayer. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yeah, the whole idea being that um, that God is the one who has the authority, um, you know, uh, that God is the one who has the power, and that God is the one who gets the glory. That mm-hmm. these are all the things that we declare belong to God, and that we should be certain 
um, that that these prayers that he, that, that that this prayer that we're praying and that um, that that we're praying these things by the authority of Jesus Christ, and that these this prayer is acceptable to Him, and that He promises that He hears it. Um, I think, uh, and I, and you might have heard me mention this before in my speaking, um, but um, you know, I think there's this. There, and, and I mentioned this earlier too, there's this, um, and I'm convinced that it's like the height of our original sin, that we would want to be like God, that there's this desire in all of us to have control. And God is constantly reminding us that we are not God, but that he is God. You know, the devil told Eve, you will be like God and you will know good and evil. Um, and that, that's, that's definitely a part of our struggle. And prayer is one place where it rears its ugly head because all too often we do treat it like God is a vending machine. If we come to him and pay the right price, then we and push the right button, you know, say the right thing, then we'll get exactly what we want. And that's just not a very good picture of it. Um, one guy, um, uh, he was actually, I heard this on a podcast. His, I think his name is um, Pastor Tom Baker. He was on issues, et cetera, and he said um, that uh, he looks at prayer like a phone call. You know, if I were to try and call the president of the United States, if he saw my name and number on the caller ID, do you think he would answer the phone? <laughs> no. Why not? Uh, he's a busy guy, and he doesn't know you. Right. But if I happen to run into his son on the street, and I said, hey... I've been trying to call your dad and he just doesn't answer. And the guy says, Hey, I got you here. And he dials his dad's number, pushes call and hands you the phone. Is he going to answer now? Yeah, that's his son. Exactly. And this is what Jesus has done. He has granted us that access to the father so that God hears us just as he hears his son. It doesn't mean that he's always going to do what we want him to do. Mm -hmm. But he does hear us and he calls us to that prayer. And so we would be good to pray daily because God hears our prayers and he answers them. It's not that they're, the things are always done, but um, nevertheless, he hears them. Mm -hmm. And I think that's very good for us to look at prayer in that light. Yeah, uh, just because he doesn't answer doesn't mean he doesn't care. I'm not quoting a song. <laughs> yeah but then there's this seemingly great contradiction right because jesus says knock and the door will be opened ask and you shall receive so 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 he says anything that you ask in my yeah. name will be given to you right well and even even in the same uh actually i i kind of wanted to 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 close with this because i think it's uh it's it's right along the lines of what you were about to say nick but uh one of the last verses of this chapter that we're in Verse 33 in Matthew uh, 6. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And so uh, he does hear us, and he does, he does want the best for us. It doesn't mean he'll always give us everything we ask for, but, uh, but these things will be added to us. Yes. So the, the, the hard part about this, and I, I have to admit that, that I still don't quite have everything figured out, you know? I could be wrong, but I think this is a much healthier way to view prayer than that, you know, God, than that name it and claim it. You know, we, we pray that God would give us the grace to submit to his will, yeah. you know, because, um, but that is a tough question. You know, why, if Jesus says that anything we ask in his name, 
um, that it will be given to us. Or in another place, he says, ask and you will receive, seek and you will find. Um, why don't we always get our prayers answered? Um, well, first mm -hmm. of all, the asking in Jesus' name, um, I kind of have a funny um, story about this too. Um, I used to think that it was like magic words that you just, if you say in Jesus' name, then all of a sudden your prayers are acceptable to God. Um, but that's not, that's not what it means. Asking for things in the name of Jesus are asking for things in accordance with his will and purpose. So it would be like um, a police officer chasing a criminal. And he says, stop in the name of the law. He's not saying like, um, you know, um, you're going to magically stop because he invoked the law. But he's saying that the law gives him the power and authority to make you stop. And that's what it means to ask for things in Jesus' name, that we're praying by his will and purpose. And so the whole point is the things that are within the will of God, they will be granted to us. The things that are not, will not. Um, and James, James puts it this way. He says, you, ask, you don't get what you ask for because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. Mm. So the prayer for a Ferrari, the prayer to win the lottery. Um, those types of things God does not answer. However, um, there's the question then, what about the things that we ask for that are in our mind are right and good? You know, that woman that I referenced who was dying, you know, I, I think it would have been right and good for God to heal her. Um, and, and so how do you answer that? Um, I, I have an idea. Um, you know, we are sin. As George Wilson used to put it, from the top of our head to the bottom of our feet. And we do not know the mind of God. We don't. And we don't know anybody else's heart. Um, I, I love this um, account of Jesus and Jairus. Um, it was the gospel text for this Sunday. And that's the, um, the account of Jairus has a daughter who is sick to the point of death. And he comes to Jesus and asks Jesus to heal her. And Jesus says he will. But on the way there, this other woman comes to Jesus and she's had this disease that is, um, uh, it's called, it's just referred to as an issue of blood. So she's bleeding and she's spent her life savings trying to get healed and she hasn't. But she believes that even if she could just touch the hem of Christ's garment, then she would be healed. And so she does it. She runs to him, she touches his garment and she gets healed. And Jesus stops and says, who touched me? It says that he felt that the power went from him. And so he asks, who touched him? And the disciples are like, dude, we're on a busy street. Why are you worrying about who touched you? You know, everybody's touching each other right now. And um, this woman is scared. So she comes forward and Jesus tells her that her faith has made her whole. And I think of that account and I think of it from Jairus's perspective. Um, because if I were Jairus, like I'd be, you know, panicking right so you get your, your daughter's dying you're looking for help you find this guy he says he's going to help and you're trying to rush him back to your house and all of a sudden then he stops and starts talking to this lady like i'd be like dude come on let's go we gotta go come on my daughter's sick you said you'd help her come on and then this there's this heart dropping moment where the messenger comes from his house and says don't trouble this guy any further because your daughter is dead and I can just picture G that guy's heart dropping, you know, and I can picture there being some resentment. God, why did you stop to help this woman when you already said you would help my daughter? Why are you caring about her and not my little girl? And Jesus says, do not be afraid, only believe. 
And then he comes to his house and he takes her by the hand and he says, little girl, I say to you, arise. And he raises her from the dead. And, and so the whole point being, you know, we're stuck with one perspective. We don't know the end of the story. Jairus didn't know what Jesus was going to do. But God knows he has a purpose and he has a plan. And it is good. And so perhaps the people, the prayers that go unanswered, when, it, when you start feeling like maybe God cares about some people more than others, um, you can rest assured that God loves you with an everlasting love and has a plan and purpose. And it's good. Um, we just don't always have the right perspective. Yeah, well said. I don't, I don't know if that answers the question very well, but um, um, because it is, it is a hard topic. Um, but the important thing is to um, let the scriptures speak and be silent. Amen. So this has been a really great discussion about the Lord's Prayer and prayer in general. And I think that that's, uh, it's something that we all need to keep in mind. Uh, it's easy to kind of forget to, you know, what prayer is all about and and the different components and what Jesus even has taught us from that. So appreciate that, Pastor Nick, uh, and for being our special guest, I guess, this, this time around. Uh, well, thanks, Jamin. You're a good host. <laughs> I appreciate it. I, I actually am a host of a podcast. It's a technical podcast, but I do it every week. And, Shameless and I, I really enjoy it. Yeah, I should, sure. If you're into React Native, you know, hit us up. <laughs> React Native podcast. Uh, actually, it's called React Native Radio. I should probably get the name of the podcast right, but it doesn't matter. Probably not my target <laughs> audience there. Uh, but yes, very much appreciate it. Nick, uh, would you mind bringing us out with, you know, the, the sponsorship and the uh, the rest of that? Yeah, certainly. Well, this episode of the podcast was brought to you by the Eastern Mission, so thank you, Eastern Mission, for supporting us. Of course, our goal is to become listener-supported, so if you'd like to help us in that endeavor, you can do so by clicking the Patreon link in the description. And that's it for this episode. So until next time, God's peace.